Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of the award-winning podcast, Entrepreneurs on Fire, and you're listening to the Excelsior Journeys with George Soroy. Prepare to ignite. So would you say that that's kind of like the lightning bolt moment for you? And that's what I taught myself how to draw, was actually the Little Mermaid, drawing stills of Ariel. I've got better things to do tonight than die. jumped out of his chair and said, who the F is this? I remember walking out of the theater and saying, I'm going to write Halloween I'm rather impressed with your research. Rarely do people ask me about children in the car. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just do it. You know, throw some spaghetti against the wall. This is George Soroy saying to all of you, ever upward. Welcome back to Excelsior Journeys. This is George Soroy. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you so much for tuning in for over 150 episodes. Still can't believe how far this show has gone. And we are just not stopping anytime soon. I want to give a quick shout out to the guys at the Friends Talking Nerdy Podcast Network. I really appreciate all of their support and all of their friendship. And I hope that all of you are subscribing to their shows as well. They got a lot to offer there. And speaking of different things to subscribe to, I really want to give a special shout out to a site that I've mentioned on here before when I've had when I've had Michael Davis and Tyler Foley on, but I really want to put the emphasis on Podmatch. For all of you other podcasters, you really need to be on this because having your show listed on Podmatch opens you up to getting so many amazing people on as your guests and they reach out to you to talk about what they have done. I've gotten a lot of people reaching out to me and one in particular, I am so thrilled is our guest for this week. Judy Baker reached out to me and with a lot of really, really great positive things to say about my interviews with EC Stilson. So EC, if you're listening, you got a fan right here. And and I I am really thrilled to have, to have Judy on here as well, because especially not only did she get to share some of her story with me, but it also is a, a major thing about what she does is my own Achilles heel. And that is all about marketing. Those of you who know me, when it comes to marketing, that is just something that I for some reason, I always seem to kind of clam up. I always seem to kind of shrivel up like a little violet. And I have no idea like what the next steps to take. I always feel just so overwhelmed when it comes to when it comes to marketing myself. Now, ask me about other people and I'll gladly share as much as I can about them. But uh, but when it comes to myself, that's when I have a lot of issues with it. So whenever I have someone on like Judy's Caliber to talk about the art of marketing and her take on it, I definitely want to take advantage of that. So Judy has been on a series of different podcasts. She's been on the Stampede No Like Trust podcast. She's been on the Inside Independent Publishing podcast. She's been on the On the Map podcast, the Coach's Co-Pilot. She's been on so many of them. She has her own media kit that you can you can download on her own website at bookmarketingmentor.com. And the thing that really grabs my attention with her is the fact that she says marketing is a conversation. Now, when it comes to having a conversation, I'm perfectly fine with that. But when it comes to the marketing part, again, that's where I run into issues. So I am so glad to have Judy here to really kind of bring that together, bring the marketing and bring the conversation and bring it all together. That's what, And I am so thrilled to have her here. So it is my pleasure to introduce Judy Baker. Judy, how are you? I'm great. And George, I am so, oh my goodness, you gave me so many accolades in the introduction. I'm just sitting here beaming. 
and what you're already doing marketing just by showing up and doing what you do because you support other people. That's part of your marketing. That is true. That is something that's the main reason why this whole show exists in the first place. It exists because I looked at all my Facebook friends and people that I've known through all walks of life and realized, wow, these are all really talented people. They need to let the world know who they are. They need to be on a podcast. They need to share their skills. They need to let the world know what it is that they do, who it is that they are. And that is just going to be nothing but a positive thing for them. And then a few months later, it became, okay, so they need to be on my podcast because now all of a sudden I want to do a solo show. And then it just steamrolled from there. So so over 150 episodes later, and I like to think that I've done some some good work so far. Well, you really have. And it's interesting. One of the ways to market yourself is, as I said, through helping others. People feel like you're the authority, which you are. And Mm -hmm. because you've created this community, it's elevated your visibility while at the same time you're bringing in other experts. So you've already got it. You really have it dialed in. And it's just a shift in your mindset about, I'm not good at marketing myself. You actually are. And that's true for most people. They don't even realize they're doing the things they need to do, but maybe they can step it up just a little bit, be more deliberate. That's kind of what I feel about just really stepping it up a little bit. I think that that's going to be the main shift that I need to make myself and just really kind of trust myself to, to get it out there and stay consistent with the messaging. So I feel like the more I can do that, hopefully the more, the more people will, will catch on to what it is that I'm doing here. It definitely feels like the, the pod, the, the feedback from Podmatch has been very positive. I, that's how, that's how you found me. And that's, that's something that I'm, I'm very grateful for. Well, what I'm finding Podmatch is, so amazing. And for in my business, for authors, being on podcasts is probably close to the top of the list. I, there's two things that make a huge difference. One is speaking. And mm-hmm. that means on virtual stages, as well as in real life, because people get a chance to see and know you. And with podcasting, some of them are audio only, some of them are video and audio, and it gives it gives you the opportunity to get your message out there, but people sample you, and then you can direct them to where you want to go next. The other really good practice is using email. And when mm-hmm. I say using email for your marketing, I'm not talking so much about individual emails, although those can be effective. But what I'm saying is if you are using an email service provider and there's so many, there's I'm I'm a constant contact girl um, and I have been for over 15 years. There's lead pages. There's convert kit. There's active campaign. I mean, we can go on and on. I'm not going to do that because you need to find the one that fits your personality. But in your email service provider community, 
you can now tell people, oh, I'm going to be on a show or I'm going to be at an event. Or it could be, I just was on these shows and here's where to go to listen. And Mm -hmm. then offer people something valuable in terms of not only your conversation, because it is a conversation, you can also say, and get a free gift and here it is. So that you're you're continuing to nurture those people who just either just met you or have been in your community for a while. So speaking and at a real life event, what old school works too. You can say, sign up for sign up here and I will send you a copy of my handouts or whatever it might be. And you can do that same thing virtually where you have a place, a landing page where people sign up to get that wonderful knowledge that you have now shared with them and they want to keep it for themselves. Hmm. So yeah, it's, it's, it is very, it is very interesting. Like I've, I've had some experience with, using email, e- email systems, just like, uh, like MailChimp. That's the one that I, that I was using mm-hmm. for a period of time. And it felt like I was getting some traction with that. I was getting some responses, but at the same time, like, and a decent amount of openings, it seemed like they were mm-hmm. all the same people. It just didn't feel like it was growing. So that, yeah. that part of it made things a little discouraging, I would say. Oh, absolutely. If you're not, if your list isn't growing and you're you're only having the same people engage with you all the time, you can do something special for those who are more engaged and Mm -hmm. then ask the people that aren't so active. And you can comment on something else, not just your own material, but you can comment on something else. You can Mm -hmm. do a survey. You can do a lot of different things. And you can also say, if this isn't for you, I'm happy that you were here. But with blessings, get those inactive people off the list. And and sometimes it just takes a really long time before they take action. I'm curious, Mm -hmm. when you send out emails, are you putting a call to action in every one of them? The ones that I've sent out, and again, this was something that I definitely kind of let lapse because of the, because it just felt like I was putting too much and was getting nothing, barely anything in return. Right. It it got to a point where I was, I was doing it weekly and I Uh was including the episode link on the top. So that way people, that was my call to action. It was enjoy the latest episode of Excelsior Journeys. And then I would, include a little additional information about even just a little nod to some of the more archived episodes from Mm -hmm. back in the beginning and see what would connect. And it seemed like basically just one or two links would always be clicked and that would be just about it. So that was what kind of made me kind of step back a little bit and just try to, Mm -hmm. I'm in this current mode right now, just trying to reassess everything, trying to see like, what is it that I can what is it that I can do? Because I'm I'm hearing some some very reputable podcasters sharing their sharing their numbers. And granted, the the numbers that they 
are sharing our four shows about podcasting. So that's ah. going to attract an, attract an audience right then and there. But they're saying how they're due to 3,000 clicks a a week. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm, I'm not there. <laughs> Definitely not there. So it, it becomes a little discouraging. But at the same time, I, it's not stopping me from continuing the show because I love what I do. Well, you that's a really good point, George. When you're looking at your marketing, you don't have to be everywhere. And you mm-hmm. don't have to do, I mean, because there are, my goodness, I probably could come up with a list of 20 different things that you could do, which mm-hmm. is too much, in my opinion. Yeah. I am. And, then, an yeah, that's, and that's just it. Like, it's the overwhelm that, that, uh, that always seems to get me. It just seems like I'll have one idea and then another idea and then another idea and everything yeah. just kind of piles on top of, of each other. And then I get that feeling of overwhelm and that's where everything just kind of shuts down in my, in my mind. You're not alone. When, when we give people too many choices, they don't do anything, which mm-hmm. is why landing pages are so effective because you only can either do the thing or get off the page. You don't, you aren't yeah. looking at, you're not looking at a menu of a hundred different choices. And, and it's, True. People get fatigued if they have to make too many choices, which is why mm-hmm. habits make marketing easier. And I'm going to just put a plug in for this. I yeah. am a huge fan of the tiny habits method. About two years ago, one of my friends introduced me to this book, which is it's itty bitty. But I listened <laughs> to the audio version of it. And I got more out of it for some reasons on that. BJ Fogg is a neuroscientist. He's a PhD. He's been studying brain science for a really long time. And he discovered one of the reasons when people make goals, say at New Year's, Mm -hmm, they don't mm -hmm. include, well, what they do include is willpower and having emotion attached to that goal. Mm -hmm. Neither of which work. Yeah. Instead, he said, if you use the ABCs, you anchor the thing you want to do with something you're already doing. For instance, I brush my teeth every morning. So what do I do after I brush my teeth? So my anchor is the brushing my teeth. After I brush my teeth, I listen to a podcast. (laughs) I swear that's what I actually do. And Mm -hmm. then... For the B, so that's the behavior. So the anchor, the behavior, and the C is the celebration. I can celebrate that I did the thing, which is really tiny. I mean, equivalent to moving your pinky, as my friend Judy Dang says. And Mm -hmm. you you can have it stack. But if I said, I'm going to listen to a podcast every single day of this year, that's too big. Yeah, But if I, I just do this little thing. And so you can do the same thing with your marketing. You can say, okay, I'm releasing a podcast episode. So where could I populate and let people know about this? So I can do it in email. I might take the cover for that episode and I could pop it up on one of my other channels. And I can ask people to share that. But so if you wanted to build the tiny habit into your routine 
as you're doing your podcast, you can say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to record this. I'm going to, if you do any editing, I'm going to edit it. And next thing I'm doing is I'm notifying the person, my guest, I'm asking them to share and I'm going to do something very tiny to now re share that information. So you don't, don't over And yeah, overwhelm is a real thing. It's not a pretend thing. So the more you can take that, I have to be in this emotional state. I have to do all this stuff. No, no, no. You want to make it really small because as you have a success, you're more likely to do that again. You're likely to do that, that action again. And you'll feel that, oh, I'm a successful I complete things and now I can do this other activity that maybe I was feeling like, oh, didn't want to try that before. Yeah. Wow. Okay. You already <laughs> gave me a couple of ideas on how on how to start my day each day because I'm always the first one up in the house. That's yeah. just the that's just the way that things go. I'm yeah. the first one up. I make sure my mother in law is up. And then I make sure my wife is up. I make sure my daughter's up. And and without me, if I oversleep, then the whole operation flies apart. So it's oh, my yeah. responsibility to make sure that, that things get started right. So that way, both my wife and I can get to work on time. But I always seem to have a roughly about a half hour every every day, every weekday to myself. And usually I'm just like, okay, I'm going to make my coffee. I'm going to just relax for a little bit and gonna get myself all centered and everything. And then, and then I'm going to have my breakfast. And then that's when everyone else is, co- is coming upstairs or downstairs. And that's when things really start you know, rolling. <laughs> so I have my Chromebook and I have, which is you know, a perfectly good laptop and everything. So I can take that downstairs with me and use my use our echo to turn on a like turn on a podcast huh? of some sort something to something something motivational kind of start the day some mel robbins maybe and and because i she's got her own show on amazon i think it's yeah. called i think it's called here's what you should do and so that and and it's and i think each episode is maybe like about 15 20 minutes or so so that would be a perfectly good one to just start off each day with that episode going on instead of the tv and while i'm doing that i can focus on getting some getting some calls to action set up and and then go from there i've i've been wanting to just kind of touch up blow the dust off of my website and get that going again, get it sharpened up a little bit. So, and also get a little bit more streamlined. So that would, that would allow that opportunity. So you've already opened up the door to, to a lot of ideas. So I thank you for that. And so once again, having you on here has been a blessing. So, well, you're welcome. And, and really keeping that in mind that you're, you're not doing too many things Mm-hmm. As you said, you want to streamline it. The more you yeah, do that, sure. the better. And James Clear also talks about that we don't rise to the level of our go- of our goals. We fall to the level of our systems. And systems, mm-hmm. big discovery, they're habits. 
Yeah. So make it make it fun, make it s- simple, make it something that you love and you're more likely to continue to do it. Very true. Very, very, very true. Speaking from experience, I can definitely <laughs> vouch for that. Now, now all of this is 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 wonderful material for this is we've been talking about my podcast um, mm-hmm. at the same time. The focus that you have a lot on when it comes to book marketing is with mm-hmm. is with nonfiction authors. And yes. but at the same time, everything that you're saying works well for authors of all genres, whether it's fiction or nonfiction, because what they're doing is they have to go out. They have to market themselves. They have to let people know about their books. And they're going to be on podcasts like this one. I've had many <laughs> that have talked about that. Writers have been like the 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 key element of my guests that I've, I've had more writers on here than anything else. So that's something that I feel that, that, that I hope that all of you fellow authors have been listening to because all of this is important. Now, what is it that a nonfiction, specifically a nonfiction author, what is it that they can do that really kind of sets them apart? Well, some of the things nonfiction authors can do that really will put them in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. They can release parts of their book as, oh, articles. Mm-hmm. They can give a chapter away to entice people to sample them. And because they're nonfiction, most of the authors I'm working with are business owners. So how are they going to use that content? How are they going to use that book? They can give it away to their existing clients. They can use it when they are looking to be a speaker. If you have a book, you already are showing up as an expert. It it is impressive to people. 90 5% of the population say they want to write a book, but only Mm -hmm. 2% ever do it. And probably the percentage of the nonfiction folks is even smaller. But with nonfiction, you can tie it to, well, this this applies to fiction too, but tying, tying your themes in your book, you probably have more than one theme. It's based mm-hmm. on your expertise, but look for what's going on in the news right now that relates to your conversation in your book. Mm-hmm. If you look at your your book is part of your complete ecosystem as a business owner. It's not, yeah. oh, here's my book and I'm marketing it and it's a separate thing. No, people should know right from the get-go on your website, it says that you have a book available. In your LinkedIn profile, it says you've got a book available and Mm -hmm. you can amplify the content by talking to people, doing, you could do a webinar, you could do a conversation with other authors in in your same genre and looking at ways that your information can stand out. And one of my friends did something really, really smart. In the pre-release, she had said, I'm giving away a chapter. And it turned out it was the introduction. And it was a third party, was somebody else 
read why this was such a good book. And that was in, that was her introduction. And I mean, there was no way you wouldn't want the book after hearing that because social proof. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, there's one other thing, George, that I think is, is really key. A lot of nonfiction books have information in them and you can extract say the worksheets and other lists and those kinds of things and create a companion workbook. Now you've got two books Mm -hmm. and people go, Oh my goodness, you've got this and you've got, you've got these two pieces. And so they might want to just the shortcut with the workbook. Plus all authors should be thinking about this. How many formats am I, am I offering my book? Am I offering it as an ebook, a print book, an audio book, mm-hmm. and maybe, and maybe you you can create a podcast from your book? I've done. I've said that many times to to people. I've said that you need to make sure that it's in the three major formats. It needs to be in paperback. It needs to be on ebook. It needs to be on audiobook because each one is going to have their own audiences, and you do not want to cut any of them out. And I also strongly challenge, and I've said this before, I will say this again, having just adapted my first book, Excelsior, as an audio drama, I challenge all fellow authors to adapt your work into at least one other form of of media, because you will shock yourself to see what is expendable and what's not. And by working within the restraints that 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 medium allows, or restricts, it forces you to become more creative in what it is that you're doing. And so when you have like, when you have like a limited budget, like look at John Carpenter, John Carpenter had $300,000 when he made Halloween and look at the classic that that became. He had maybe, I think he had maybe a million, maybe a little bit more when he did escape from New York and boom, he turned that into a classic. So it's it's amazing what can be done with so little. And so in my case, I had to take something that that took seven hours to hear as an audiobook, and I should know because I read it myself, and condense the whole thing into a one-hour story. And that was a hell of a challenge. And it's something that I strongly recommend that other authors do as well, because you're going to surprise yourself over what can be cut, what can be kept, what can be changed, etc. You bring up a really good point. The When you look at your material, you're looking at it in one way and your audience is going to perceive it in a different way. And I know for myself, I like to listen to audiobooks, but there are some books I want to have as an audiobook and then I'll buy the print version because I want to be able to quickly flip to something of a certain part of it. And mm-hmm. well, that was what was funny with, with tiny habits. So BJ did something interesting. And the, and the reason that I did the audiobook is he had a speech problem when he was growing up and he learned to overcome it. And he said, you're going to hear some different things if you do the audio version. So I said, mm-hmm. okay, I'm up for this. As he was narrating, he would say, oh, and you can go to, and he would give his website address, go here and you can download the worksheets. And so he did that throughout the book. 
And another friend just did something even more exciting. And I'm a fan of this. I love QR codes. And if oh, you're not, too. yeah. And if you're not familiar with them, you just take your, your smartphone and you, you take a picture and it takes you to the website. You don't have to type mm-hmm. in anything. Well, she has QR codes throughout her book. Oh, and it great. takes you to different to more information. So she is not only giving you this great book with all of these goodies in it, then there's more. And so you can continue to engage and you keep getting more stuff. And with a QR code, you don't have to worry about, oh, my God, I'm going to have to revise my book because this information is out of date. You're mm-hmm. sending them to the place where you can update it anytime, easy peasy. And it's beautiful. Plus, you can share those puppies. You can share those QR codes. So yep. I'm a big fan. Big fan. Oh, that's great. Now, one of the things that I am fascinated with when it, when it comes to your history is I'm interested to know how it is that you got started on this path in the first place. Because you've heard the show, so all about what I love to hear, which is that lightning bolt moment. And that's that moment when you experience something or hear something, meet someone or whatever, and it makes you just kind of go in the direction and just say, that's what I want to do. That's the kind of life I want to lead. That's the kind of person I want to be. As someone who has helped so many already, What was it that got you into wanting to do that in the first place? It was very funny. I was in, I was in a Vistage group with two other authors. Mm -hmm. I, this is so funny because I don't always call myself an author, but I have been an author since I was a kid. Yeah. And even, I even wrote and published my own book when I was 16. However, I didn't do anything Mm -hmm. with it professionally for a very long time. And so here I was in this Vistage group and one of the, one of the other members said, Oh, there's a conference this weekend and it's for independent publishing. Mm -hmm. And the other person was about to publish his book and he wanted some help. He's also in marketing, but what exactly right. You can't market yourself. It's like really hard. Mm -hmm. So we went to the Bay area independent publishers association conference. I walked in the room and I went, I seriously, it was like like, lightning bolt. Oh my God. My body was tingling. I said, this is my place. And I was doing branding already and Mm -hmm. I was doing marketing coaching, but I went, oh, there's this whole world of authors who are mostly clueless when it comes to marketing because (laughs) They look at their book like a baby. Mm-hmm. And in some ways it is, but we all, it's a product. It's a great product and you need to nurture it, but it's yeah. a product. So here I walk into this, this community and I went, I've got to become part of it. The creativity, the fun, the diversity just knocked my socks off. And when I got back to my office, I looked through my list of clients and I went, oh, guess what? All of my current clients are also authors. And yep, I hadn't, yep. it hadn't even occurred to me. And so I said, they need my help. I'm going for it. And mm-hmm. I, I became, well, in short order, within about six months, I became president of BEPA and learned 
all of these people really want to share their stories, but most of us who are authors are also very solitary. And as you said, oh, I can talk about somebody else's stuff, but it comes to me and I'm like, I don't know what to say. And I'm worried and nervous. (laughs) So I've made it my mission to help people understand something I learned when I worked for Robert Mondavi Winery. And Mr. Mondavi, the senior Mondavi, Mm -hmm. said, Mm -hmm. everybody is in sales. So let that sink in. Everyone who worked at the winery, and this is this is when it was still family owned. There were less than 500 employees. Everyone from the person who worked on the grounds, the electrician, in the tasting room, answering the phone. It didn't matter what your job was. If you worked for the winery, you were in sales and how you interacted with people mattered. And the same thing applies to you as an author. Every time you're speaking to somebody, think about how you can be helpful, generous, and kind to them and let them tell you what they need before you ever offer anything about yourself. That's great. I love that. Everyone is in sales. I mean, that's really... That's that's so that's so poignant because there's so much that goes into into this. And if this one person doesn't do their job or this was other person doesn't do their job, then that makes the overall product less attractive. And so the fact that everyone is doing their part to make that overall product as as attainable and desirable as it is, then, yeah, then then that's going to that's going to. That's going to come off well for everyone as a salesman because they're all doing their part. That's fantastic. I love it. Now, you mentioned being president of, the, of, of, this partic- of this particular guild. Tell us about from one former president to another because I, I was given I – had, I had a funny, funny story with that because in 2016, I was, I was part of – I was part, I was part of a, a publishing house. I was involved in a publishing house that was run by the president of the Missouri Writers Guild at the time. And I had just finished putting together the audiobook version of Excelsior. I had Mm -hmm. offered my services as an audiobook narrator. I finished it. I sent it over. I asked her for her opinion at the same time. It was right around the time that we were getting ready for our annual conference and business meeting. And that's when she said that once I'm done with that, I'll go ahead and take a look. And that's when I gave my fateful reply saying, okay, that's great. And if there's anything you need help on regarding the board, feel free to feel free to ask. Little did I know a couple of weeks later at the actual conference, which I wasn't able to go to because it was in Kansas city. I get, I get a message from, from a friend of mine on my Facebook wall, just saying, congratulations. I was like, for what? And then, <laughs> and then I get an email from the president saying, congratulations, Mr. VP. <laughs> all of a sudden, all of a sudden, here I am just like becoming vice president of the Missouri Writers Guild, which was also the conference chair of the Missouri Writers Guild, which means that oh. I get to plan the conference for the next year. And mm-hmm. so from 2016 to 2018, during the time that I was vice president and then, vi- and then president, 
Yeah. It was a hell of a time getting to put together yeah. two different conferences. Thankfully, they were in the same location, so it made it a little bit easier. But yeah, it was it was interesting <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> but I was oh, I was no. honored to be given that 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 that, uh, that title and given the ability mm-hmm. to run with it for a little while. So so how did all of a sudden you become <laughs> president? <laughs> Well, there were a bunch of folks who had been on the board for a really long time and had done fabulous work, and they all got burnt out at almost the same moment. It was like this domino effect. And Mm -hmm. suddenly, there were five people left on the board. I was the newest person. And I mean, I resisted joining the board because I was already on some other boards for other organizations. And I was the only one who had any kind of ability to stand in front of a group. The others, mm-hmm. oh, forget it, not happening. Yeah. And I was also the only one who had any organizational chops. So mm-hmm. I said, okay, I'll take this on for two years. I gave myself a time limit because I just, that I, I really feel strongly about this. People shouldn't stay in a board position for too long because you, you, you're not as effective and you start, you do, you get like, I don't want to do this anymore. Even if you love. There's burnout. Burnout is very visible. Like burnout is, you can, you can tell very easily. You definitely can't. So I took it on and I did something based on my background with organizational development. I invited 20 of the most active members to a brainstorming session. I didn't say, oh, would you please join the board? Please, please, please. I mean, I was desperate for board members, but I wasn't going to go that way. So we had a brainstorming session and about where, what direction do we want the club to go? What kinds of programs do we want? Lots of different procedural things. And at the end, there was an invitation. Is there anything that you, that you feel strongly about? Is there anything you want to take on? And from that meeting, I got 10 board members. Nice. For more than two years, we got everybody back on track. I mean, there were, like you said, there were a lot of structural things that were kind of wonky. So Mm -hmm. we did all those things. And I felt really good about the fact that I was clear that I had two years to do this. And, And when it got to be six months before the end of that, I said, we've got to look at who wants to be president next. And and that worked out really, really well. But this is something interesting, and you probably experienced it too. By volunteering, standing up in front, raising your hand, Mm -hmm. people looked at me as an expert, which I am. But it gave me that instant credibility. And because I was president... I reached out to people that I wouldn't have have had the courage to invite to be speakers, to do things with our our group. It was amazing. It was a really good experience. And I stayed on the board in a different capacity. Mm -hmm. And now I'm president of the largest chapter of the California Writers Clubs. I'm president of Redwood Writers. Partly for the and same that's based reason. Out of San Francisco, that, right? Yeah. Well, we're in we're in this in Sonoma County. There there is a chapter mm-hmm. in in San Francisco, but the Santa the Santa Rosa 
area. It's Santa Rosa. Sonoma County is pretty big, but mm-hmm. we've got, oh, I think right now we're up to about 260 some members. So we're down a little bit because of COVID, but no, we've had mm-hmm. people joining all through because we, this is, the, this is the other thing. We pivoted immediately when we got really? shut down yeah. that first month I did a workshop. I wasn't, I mm-hmm. wasn't president yet. I did a workshop for the group about how do you, how to be effective using Microsoft word so that when you're submitting to a blind submission, what do you need mm-hmm. to do? Because a lot of people don't know how to do that. So we had a yeah. workshop yeah. and then we started doing all of our sessions over zoom And because I've been using video conferencing forever and ever, I became the Zoom queen. And so I got everybody up and running, talked to the speakers, using your talents in a volunteer capacity can really elevate your visibility. And consequently, again, I'm getting a lot of recognition I just volunteered at the San Francisco Writers Conference. I was a volunteer. I was not a speaker. And mm-hmm. people came up to me afterwards because they saw the way that I was being helpful. I was running I was running the video recording in in different rooms throughout the conference and sometimes I was passing the microphone to the audience or I was helping the speakers, but people came up and said, "I want to talk to you." I'd like to know more about your services because they saw how I show up. And that's kind of how I am. And that's probably how you are too, George. There's a need. You go, okay, I can help. Yeah, I I can definitely agree with that because this past May I was – I I volunteered my services as a moderator for Fan Expo STL. And it was the first time that I was able to participate in in a convention of that size. And so I had already signed on to do two solo presentations. And I had at least one or two other other things that I was going to be doing. And then the organizer said, our comics coordinator needs a moderator for some sketch duels. Can you do that? And I was like, well, what is it? It's basically just like, it's two authors, two illustrators sitting down and they're given a task to do by the, by the audience. And while they're doing the, while they're doing this particular sketch, the moderator basically asks them questions about what it is that they do and how they started in, in the industry, et cetera. It's like, I can do that. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely do that. They added six more spots to my, <laughs> to Whoa. my, to my schedule, including one. And I was really honored about this. They, they let me moderate a discussion about artist Neil Adams, who had left us recently. So it was, it was a really, it was a really good honor to, to get that. And it was definitely something that I will be doing again in the future. It's, it's not, it's not even a question of if I, if, if they give me the opportunity, I made sure that they knew who I was so that I can get that opportunity again, because I had so much fun doing it. And I would love to make that a regular thing. Oh, that's really brilliant. Oh, that, that sounds like improv on steroids. I mean, people, doing illustration and answering questions. I mean, my goodness, my brain wants to explode. <laughs> yeah. But the, the really cool thing was that every single person that I spoke with 
at that event, they were perfectly fine with me recording it. So I got to record everything and that gave me more than a month's worth of material for this show. So even better. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, and that's what, and that's what they do with Podmatch too. Alex does his quarterly event and then those, those talks become podcast episodes. And I went, Oh my God, talk about batching your work. That is so clever. I mean, Mm -hmm. I applaud both of you. I think I've been thinking about that and I've, I've also been experimenting doing, doing my zoom recording at the same time that I'm live casting and I just haven't done StreamYard yet, but I'm about to take the leap. I've been, I've been procrastinating, but I'm going to, I'm going to do that too. Well, I, I hope that using, using StreamYard here today will kind of encourage that because I've had nothing but good experiences using StreamYard ever since I switched from zoom to StreamYard. I'm fine with zoom. I have no, no nothing against them or anything, but I've noticed that the quality of the audio has just been a little bit better here. And yeah. this has allowed me to do some live events on Facebook mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. with with horror host, Ivana Cadaver. The two of us Ooh. have done a handful of different ones and it's always a lot of fun yeah. working with her. So so with everything that you've done, what's next? <laughs> what, what do you have coming up on the horizon? Well, I have been procrastinating on something else too. I started writing a memoir about my experience having ovarian cancer. Mm-hmm. And I was in the middle of writing a, a business book when that hit me. And yeah. I started to go back to it. And every time I did, it was like this little voice was in my head saying, you need to tell people what you did. Because what I did now, it turns out the way that I approached getting well was ahead of this whole movement of I continued to exercise. I mm-hmm. told people, I told everybody, is it because I'm gonna I was gonna lose my hair, which I did. I said, yeah. um, you're gonna see some changes. And so I I was very public about this is what happened, this is what's going on, and I'm gonna continue to show up because exercise is a big part of my life and I wasn't going to abandon that. Now, some people aren't physically able to do stuff and I had to really back off, but it was part of my routine that let me feel normal. So that was one part of it. I completely changed my eating habits. I thought I was eating pretty well, but I learned that this is the, this was the big one. Cancer like sugar. And so mm. that went out of my diet. Come, wow. That was on. And as I was going through treatment, I never said, oh, poor, woe is me. I said, how do I get well? That was the first mm. thing I said to the doctor when I heard that I had cancer. And that was even before I knew what it was, what kind. Yeah. And then as I was talking to doctors, as I was out in the world, it was always, I'm doing this and this is making a difference and I'm getting better and I'm nice. getting better. It took longer to recover than I had anticipated, however, mm-hmm. but I stuck with it and I did some new things. I did after, after I was done with chemo, I had at my gym, in fact, they had a program for people who had either a life-threatening illness or some other interruption And I worked with a trainer privately for about six weeks. And then I worked 
with a Pilates instructor using the equipment because in the past I had only done mat work and that helped me build up the muscles in my core in a way that I hadn't before. And it turns out I'd been doing some stuff wrong. So now I got better. And then after I was feeling really like I, I could feel like every six months I could go, oh, oh I'm, I'm better. And then, mm-hmm. oh, there's this big change again. One of my instructors had started teaching a program called TRX, which is using straps and you're using your body weight. It's basically Pilates on steroids. And I was like, I can't do this. I I can do other stuff, but I can't do this. She said, just come to the first class. Mm -hmm. Came to the first class, felt like an idiot. (laughs) But I did. I did. Because the people that were already doing it, I was like, what am I doing? Right. But everybody, everybody feels like that when they first start, because you're trying you're trying to do this stuff and, and then do the exercises. And so she told me what I did right. Mm-hmm. OK, so she was positive reinforcement. She said, come again. So just come for two more classes and see how you feel. Well, that was five years ago. Mm-hmm. And it's oh, my God, I finally have. OK. Michelle Obama arms. I've got shoulders. I've got definition. I've got all this stuff, but I never would have done it if I wouldn't have had my friend and my instructor there to guide and support me, which is what authors need. They need support. They need guidance. They need help, especially when they're trying something new. Oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And uh Every everyone needs a mentor. Everyone needs someone to really kind of point them in that in that right direction. Just kind of say that like if you just kind of look behind you and you see one person and they're starting to kind of drift in this one direction and that the direction that you're on is a good one, then you can just say, like, here, come on, let's go. And then yeah. when you when you when your time is done, then you will get them to a point where they can look behind them and see someone start to drift. And then they can reach behind them and say, Hey, come on, let's go. And then, and then just keep going. It's almost like a good version of the Sith, how like there's always just two, the master and the apprentice. Mm -hmm. And so in this case, it is just the master and the apprentice because eventually the apprentice becomes the master and then they look behind them and see their new apprentice. So going from there, so it's when it works, when it works, it can be something really beautiful. But at the same time, everyone kind of needs to be on board with that. I totally get what you, what you mean with that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I learned a lot. I, I was fortunate as well. One of my friends who also is an author and client, mm-hmm. uh, she introduced me to other women who were either survivors or in the process of getting well. And because of that group, we had a rule. It wasn't a pity party. It was about this went well. This is what's working. What do you do? So we shared information. And that's that's part of the reason that I was in BEPA and part of the reason that I'm in Redwood Writers. I mean, our motto is writers helping writers. And I truly believe what you what you just said, George, that you and by sharing it, you're helping other people, and you only have to be one step ahead. 
I don't know everything about book marketing, but I sure know a heck of a lot. I mean, I've been doing this for over a decade and things keep changing. And it's that attitude of, oh, I'm curious. And here's what I learned by doing this. And Mm -hmm. we all make mistakes, but it's the thing I learned the most in, in my cancer journey was I hadn't even realized I'm so resilient and resilience doesn't come naturally to everybody and you can get better at it by practicing. And that's, that's the truth of writing. I mean, the first time you started writing, it probably wasn't brilliant. I mean, it could have been. (laughs) Right. But you didn't give up. You kept going, you kept going, okay, how do I make this better? And each Mm -hmm. time you write, it gets better. The same thing's true with your marketing. The more you do it, the more comfortable you're going to get. I mean, some people are always going to be nervous. That's okay. That just means you're excited. But if you practice and you show up, things get easier and better. Because I can still, I still remember the first time I was on camera Mm -hmm. when I was in college. Oh, what a disaster that was. And my first radio recording. Also, just, ugh. but mm-hmm. I didn't give up. I got feedback. I was told how to make it better. And I kept at it. And focusing, focusing on the audience is probably the biggest secret. If I focus on what did they come here to learn? How mm-hmm. can I educate? How can I entertain? How can I connect? How do I want people to feel? If I focus on that and not on me, I'm good. That's great. Yeah, it's really what it's all about. It's 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 not so much about you creating something for you. Obviously, you want to do that. You want to feel that sort of joy when you do it. But at the same time, if you have that joy, if you can get it out there and everything, then that joy is going to hopefully become contagious and yeah. will get other people to take a look and see what is it that brought that sort of joy. And then all of a sudden, Hey, who knows, maybe it will bring them joy. And then they'll want to share that with other people because of what you made them do. Now, yeah. uh, where, what is the, what, what website is, let me, hold on. Let me rewind that. <laughs> so where can our listeners find you on social media? Well, the best thing is if you go to my website, Start there at bookmarketingmentor.com. And Mm -hmm. I also have a link tree. Oh, God. Which, of course, I don't have in front of me. It's link (laughs) tree. I know. I think it's just Judy Baker. But let me just just check that for one second. I apologize that I wasn't Mm -hmm. like 100% prepared. Sometimes I am. Oh, come on. It's L-I-N-K-T-R dot e e forward slash judy m baker and when you go to that site it will show you all of the places you can connect with me from linkedin to youtube to instagram and i would love to connect with with you all but i've got something even better if you're an author and you 
are a little stuck with your marketing, you can either have already published or you're about to publish, I offer something to you. It's a no sales call call and that's at bookbuzzaudit.com. So B-O-O-K-B-U-Z-Z-A-U-D-I-T.com. Okay. And you'll get a free 30-minute call and we're going to look at what's going on with you, what's in your way, and what you can do to get out of that. Maybe it's the feeling of overwhelm or maybe you don't even know where to start. That's fabulous. And I will definitely have all of that information up on on my show notes for this week's episode. And I am just... I'm so overwhelmed in a good way that that this is very much like that sort of feeling when you finish up at a convention and you are all set to just kind of take on the world with everything that you've learned. I am ready to just run downstairs, open up the laptop now and just <laughs> and get things going, because even though it's it's two o'clock in the afternoon, the day is already very much started. But what a way to add on to the day by getting some some more stuff done like this. I am so grateful to Judy for taking the time to be on this show. I am so so overjoyed with the with the information that I've taken in during this and I really hope that all of you are feeling the same joy and I'm hoping that it's just as contagious as I feel that that it can be. Just remember that what she said, marketing is a conversation. And the more you get to put it out there, everything that you can do to help other people, the more that they are going to want to know more about you and more about your work and more about your books and more about everything that you have contributed to this amazing community of writers. So for Judy Baker, this is George Savoy saying to all of you, Ever Upward, and I will see you next week. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Excelsior Journeys. I hope it was both inspiring and entertaining. Special thanks to Zach Comtois for providing new music for the intro and outro. Please take a moment to leave a rate and review on Apple Podcasts. And if you enjoy the show, please share it with your friends and subscribe to your platform of choice by going to he'sgotit.com slash podcasts. While there, you can also fill out the application to be a guest, inquire about sponsorship opportunities, and click on the Buy Me a Coffee link if you wish to give your support to the show. All interaction is very much appreciated. If you have a question, comment, or suggestion for the show, please direct it to george at he'sgotit.com.